Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. It is Monday. We are here. We were not sure this weekend, but I made sure we had enough police presence to cover Galley and Bickler, so we are good to go. I am your host always in, in the rainy, crappy Chicago. Alan is here from Houston. Who cares about the other guys? No, I'm just kidding. Galley is with us as always. Galley, what is happening? Alan is the police presence needed to cover me and Paul. <laughs> Pretty much. That is all the police presence we need is Alan. And the guy we need the police for the most is Bickler. There is not enough of a police force to keep Bickler in check. So uh, what's happening, Bickler? Uh, I'm here. Happy Monday. Happy Monday it is. Uh, it's been a kind of a crazy week. Uh, last we were on air was obviously the Monday podcast. And it was almost like these are the times, Galley, that uh, I'm sure you are glad we are not hosting the Thursday podcast anymore because I did not want to talk about that game. But sadly, we will have to refer to it a little bit today. But as always, let's start with your guys' favorite segments and everybody else's favorite segment, uh, trivia. So this week's YouTube trivia, and I'll ask you guys that first. Uh, when we last faced Ajax in 2021 in the Champions League group stage, we won 1-0. Which current player scored the goal, and which former player got the assists? What was the year again? 2021. 22 like 2020 2021 champions league group stages 1-0 win bickler go we need a scorer who's still on the squad and the assist who is no longer with the team yeah asago money with the assist Sadio money with the assist oh my god this was not long ago i should totally know this and i don't um I know, honestly, I thought that I felt the same way when I got the question. I'm like, man, I'm getting old because I should remember. We're talking like freaking like two years ago, but I'll go like Mane with the assist and something weird like Jordan Henderson with the banger. But like, I can't believe I don't remember this. And you are dead wrong in both. Uh, Gally, let's go to you. Mm. Former player with the assist. I'm gonna say, oh, um, I know. Uh, go ahead, Gally. Uh, go ahead. Don't give him a second uh, chance. Well. <laughs> I have no clue. I, I I don't know that it was that. That seems a while ago. It was 2000. You said it was 21. I think uh, the assist, I don't know if it could have been Emerjan with the assist if it was 2021. Uh, thank God that nightmare ended. Stop reading the comments, Gally. Don't encourage him. Just him. He Come brought on. it on the screen. <laughs> I don't know if that's my fault. Stop I'm, uh, I'm going to say Jeannie. With, nah, I'm going to say it's, it's Jeannie with the assist to Mo. Oh. That's a good call there. What was your second guess? I'll come back to you, Bickler. You get partial credit. So there was a year you named every freaking person like, already. So why not? No, there, no, no, no. There's, there's a year that like Milner had like 15 assists or something, assists or something absurd in the Champions League. So I was gonna say Milner with the assist, but yeah, he's still on the team good though. Shout, but I did say the guy who got the assist is no longer with the team, and as we saw in the Napoli game. Painfully. <laughs> well, listen, in team. my opinion, he's no longer with the team and hasn't been for a long time. So, <laughs> who is the counts. goddamn answer? What is the goddamn answer? 
Well, here is the goddamn answer. Uh, it's coming through. Here we go. Curtis Jones was the player who scored the goal. And Nico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, with yeah, Nottingham right. Forest, Nico Williams was the one with the assist. Six total guesses did not get anywhere close. So let's that's, go to your guys' own trivia. And this was like, that's you know, absolute, people. Sir, we could have literally sat here all day and I would have never gotten that combination. I just, yeah, I just, I just want to say this. Like, I would have had a better chance of getting Nico as the former player to get the assist than I would have Curtis getting the goal as the current <laughs> player. Because until I see that kid on the pitch again, I'm not going to believe he's actually a current player on the side. <laughs> So here's your guy. I think I remember just being absolutely pissed off about that lineup now that I think about it. Anyway, oh, that that day, honestly, you know yeah, what? That, probably the only thing I remember was like, yeah. why are we not taking this seriously? Yes. Yes. And and um, and 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 about 15 minutes before that, we asked for rotation. Bickler probably did. And <laughs> we're still asking. At least I'm still asking for it. Oh my god. <laughs> This is sad, man. <laughs> Alan Walnut says the Turkish delight is very smug tonight. I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> so, okay, here's your guys' other trivia. Uh, so, at the time, who was the coach of IX? Ten Hag. Okay, so Ten Hag, what is Liverpool's <laughs> record against Eric Ten Hag? Bickler. I don't know. I don't even know how many times he played. He's Cole Williams. One win. Where is Curtis Jones? Literally, who is he? Where is he from? I have no clue. You know what? Whatever the record was, I'm sure we didn't rotate for for playing. Uh, So we played three games against Eric Ten Hag. Let me help you guys a little bit. Oh really? I see. I would go. I would have gone two zero one on that. How about you, Galley? He's going once down the line. I'm gonna go one one and one. See how like Galley added it by the way as he was going. He was like one one that I think leaves me one, so it'll be one. Uh, actually, Bickler got it correct. Two wins. We had them both that year as one zero, and then. Obviously, against United, we lost that game, so that would be the loss. Ah, another week, another trivia disaster by you boys. But good questions. Thanks to BJ for submitting those this week. And so, speaking of disasters, as much as we don't want to talk about it, I know I don't. Um, It was kind of like a miserable experience watching it. We kind of touched upon it this morning with uh, the Polish Prince in the morning coffee show. But there were some interesting quotes from talking about the game so i wanted to kind of like go a bit about those and get your guys take on those so first off he says it's being the napoli game was the worst game we've played since i've been here bickler would you agree to that because we've had worse results but in terms of the game would you say it's like the worst game in club era yeah, probably because I, I I think like, I mean I think if he had to drill down into it, he would see he would say with some of these uglier results, he had worse teams that, that were at least, you know, attempting to put together and getting some putting some effort out there and trying to get some cohesion going. I think the one that was kind of alarming with this one is just that they're 
there seems to be either just an absolute level of physical exhaustion that's been reached or there is an apathy across the board. Um, either one are concerning or there's a combination of both of those, but the body language is what's the most alarming to me and probably what makes it worse than anything, you know, in terms of the rest of the results. What do you think, Gally? Well, I, I think his second comment on that same slide kind of speaks to it with the idea that, you know, the level of everyone, I, I haven't seen them play collectively that bad. I think they've had worse performances at times, uh, but I don't know that they've played collectively that poorly. And I think from a representation standpoint, like Paul mentions, the we'd start talking about the body language. His body language, honestly, all season long has been really piss poor on the on the pitch. I mean, the look he had against Crystal Palace where he's just sitting there like up against like the scoreboards or the touchline. And he just looks like he's like, he has no idea. He is. He looks like a manager, a breath of thought, like of plan. And I don't think that's the case, but that's what it's showing. And I think we're starting to now see it creep onto the players on the pitch as well. And that, that's, that becomes scary because I think when you are a guy who runs a small squad and you run them into the ground and you make them, you know, demand excellence and play to the highest and highest levels. I think there is a burnout eventually. I'm not one of these people who's ready to say it's the seven year clop itch and it's over. And it's just like Mainz and just like Dortmund. That doesn't have to be the case, but he hasn't shown a real willingness to want to change his ways at all in his entire professional career. And I think at some points you have to, and I think he's starting to hit a little bit, bit of that right now. And, Pressure's actually harder here than it is at Dortmund. So, like, you know, he made the comments it would be no big Tuchel moment, and I don't think it will be. But, like, they need to put performances together that show that the team is together. Because I think if this team loses its spirit, I'm not sure that they'll be able to, to get past the fact that they do have aging bodies and they're short on talent. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what he's saying in terms of, like, being the worst game. It definitely is the worst game I watched and probably, like, the angriest I've been watching this team. Even when we lost, you know, I don't know, you can think of, like, the 7-2 game was one that we thought of with uh, Mateusz this morning on the Morning Coffee Show. There have been a couple of others where maybe they did not perform well, but I never got... I mean, that Villa game, for example, there were deflections all over the place and their counter was working. It was like one of those games, you know, you were like, what the hell is going on? But you could not, you were almost like maybe too shocked to get mad. But this one, the whole body language, the fact that it looked like the team quit and you never saw that before. And this trend of being outworked game after game after game is pretty shocking. And it's definitely something we are not used to. And I guess... So now let's see how we would rebound or how we react to this in some ways. So let me ask you guys this. Gally, we'll start with you on this one. Do you think this whole uh, postponing of the games due to the Queen's passing, obviously, um, how does it, does it help us? Does it hurt us? Does it even matter? So it, it, <laughs> It's such a that's a loaded question only because it can only help you when you have nine to ten senior players and every day a new senior player finds their way onto that list today with Robertson finding his way out until after the international break. So it has to help. 
by delaying some of these matches. But they have to get played eventually. And we have these aspirations of like staying in the domestic cups and going far in the Champions League, which is we're literally going to have a week where we play three or four matches at some point because they're going to have to fit these in because I don't believe they're going to extend the season any longer. And I just feel like with the World Cup and everything else, it's just adding a lot more pressure. So I don't know that it actually helps us. In some ways, the extra few days to get on the training pitch and get back together and get together as a, a side maybe helps you heal a little bit from the embarrassment. But I think on another level, I don't think they want to wait until October 1st to get back out and kind of get that taste out of their mouth. And I know they get to play tomorrow against Ajax, but I really think if they had been able to get out there in the Premier League, especially against a big match like on the weekend against Chelsea, you know, on the road at Stamford Bridge, you put in a performance there, I think you could kind of spurn yourself into the international break and feel like you're riding high again. And if not, I think no matter what happens tomorrow, there's still going to be question marks because we're not going to play for another three weeks. Yeah, I feel like it just buys us time to get those bodies back. And I know it does kind of like hurt us in the long run because we're going to have more games back to back to back. Let's hope to God we're a bit healthier by then. And let's hope to God we kind of react in January, perhaps, and like bring some extra bodies in to be able to help with that. Or maybe, hey, Ox will be healthy and he'll have an opportunity. You never freaking know. Uh, But Bickler, what do you think? I mean, does this kind of like help this team based on its form? Yeah, I mean, it helps me. It helps my mental health that I don't have to watch them trot out the same fucking lineup and just get destroyed again. Um, I think, like, for me, yeah, I, I love the rest. I Honestly, I hope they don't do anything until October except put their feet on a beach ball and watch highlights of themselves from 2020 just smashing people because they have to find the belief again, that identity again, and, like, they just physically look exhausted. Like, I literally don't want them to play any football at all. I want them to just sit up, put their feet up, for literally two weeks at least. I mean, that's not how it's going to work. That's not what's going to happen. But, like, I just think that they're so – they've hit a wall physically, and, and it's it's affecting everything mentally. And we have, we have a major, major problems at every single level of the field. On the back line, obviously issues in the midfield, and we have major problems with what we're doing mowing our frontline press. So, like – They've got a lot of stuff that they can just work out on a whiteboard to room and talk about, and I'm fine with that. Well, speaking of that, let's get to some other quotes from today. Uh, thanks to Tony for the image, by the way. It really goes well. The photo goes well. Great with, with the quotes over here. Um, he says, we had four or five days now of absolute truth. Uh, we'll talk about what that truth is, but not to knock the players down, just to make sure where we are now. This is the starting point for us to sort the problems together on the pitch. There was no pointing at each other. And I know he talked something. I know there was like something else in the press conference regarding, you know, you can't just fix everything like that. It's going to be like, you know, step at a time and it's going to take time. Uh, it's going to be in like phases kind of a deal. So. Here is where I'm at with this. First off, can I get this off my chest? I talked about this morning too, and I want to ask you guys actually about this. But he's talking about not to knock the players down and stuff. Am I the only one who got ridiculously upset and pissed when after that shit show of a first half, we took the only substitution we made was Gomez? Like it was all Gomez's fault and everything was going to be hunky-dory then. Why single out by taking one player out because that's if i'm gomez 
I mean, that's if you, at least if you're Gomez, who probably already knows he's playing like shit and he's having a bad day, right? You, you don't have to tell Gomez he's playing like shit. But at least if I'm coming out with a couple of other guys who are like, you know what? Everybody's playing like shit. You know, the team isn't, sh- you know, it's not like it was only Gomez's errors that caused the goals. We were like crap all over the field. And I feel like if there were like two, three subs made at halftime, you don't get that impression. You do understand that the team sucks. But when you take just Gomez out, to me, that just is, it's not, if it's protecting the other players, it's shitting on Gomez. And I was like, that is so unfair on Gomez when everybody else is sucking and their body body language is sucking even worse than their gameplay. Bickler, what do you think? Or am I just protecting the center back club? Uh, Hmm. I mean, that's, I think you've got a point there. My problem is with it is that if you take the Bournemouth game out of this, this is a team that has a zero goal differential. And you're going to talk about player performance when you're the one continually trotting out a 37-year-old midfielder, obviously past his prime, who's getting continually torched and pulled out of position and continually exposing your back line. And you want to talk about player performance. I feel like there's enough accountability where Jurgen would be – should take a book out of Jose Mourinho's like I can't even I can't even believe I'm saying this but like he literally needs to rip a chapter out of Jose Mourinho's book and take some accountability for what's happening right now because it's it's not all player performance in fact I don't think a majority of it is player performance really uh, okay uh Gally what do you think about the whole Gomez thing and what just Pickler just said in terms of you know so how much I'll, I I'll start with the Gomez the Gom- yeah, the Gomez thing quickly, I'll say I thought it was harsh on him to be the only person subbed off. Now, he had to get subbed off. He was abysmal. Yeah. I mean, if you were giving ratings out, he might have got a negative three. Like, it was that bad. It was almost everything he did made everyone around him look worse. And, he like, it's pretty hard to make Trent right now look like a worse defender. Like, he does it for himself just by not really trying to defend. But at times, Gomez actually put Trent in tough spots. And, like, as a center back, I almost feel like half your job is to do your job and the other half of your job is to help make sure Trent does his job, especially on that side. And it just didn't work. Um, As far as what Paul just said, I don't know that it's worse player performance compared to Klopp. I think that they are – I think that they come hand-in-hand right now. I think Klopp right now is trying so hard to ride with Harvey while also utilizing and literally riding James Milner like a dog. And it's like, well, I can play this kid over here by playing this serviceable vet over here. But I think the problem is, is it's making everyone else in between weaker. Fabinho, Tiago, or Fabinho, uh, Virgil, the other center back that's pairing with him. And, and I think that it's just putting people in a, in a really bad spot. The other thing is, is at some point we need to tweak the high line because when the high line gets figured out and you start getting torched literally every week, we are being hit by every single side. <clears throat> Napoli was playing us like they were like Tottenham in like 2017 at their peak or even like Leicester the year they won the title on the, on the counter. I mean, Napoli, any chance they wanted to came at us and we were in trouble and it just – Let's be honest, guys. We should have lost the match 10-0. Like, it, we're, we're lucky it was 4-1. to one. They had so many yeah. more opportunities. It could like, definitely be a lot more. See, I don't see the high line ever changing just because we're built 
the way it is. Even in games where we're only up by one defending a lead, we haven't given up on the high line. So I don't – I mean, I think the high line is exposed not because people have figured out we're playing a high line because we've been doing this. It's just the press up top sucks and people have way too much time on the ball. And then in midfield, I mean, we have a lot of gaps. Like Milner misses a tackle. They're wide open. I mean, it's impossible to play that line when you have somebody coming at you who has all time in the world and people are making like cross runs all over the place. I mean, good luck with that. I would not want to be a center back in that match. Um, so, I mean, I know Gomez made a lot of other stupid mistakes. That's totally against that. But I mean, you can't blame that line. I guess my bigger question is, you know, when we came out against Fulham in the first game of the season, we were talking about like attitude approach and all that kind of stuff, right? Had the right mindset and all that. And I remember here, sadly, unfortunately, sitting on a Monday podcast saying, oh, it's all going to change, Crystal Palace. We're going to go back to the old intensity, our identity, intensity, and all that kind of crap. And honestly, we keep saying that, but every game we're getting outworked. So what has to change, do you think, Bickler, to change that going into this next game? Or do you even anticipate it? Do you think like this Napoli game being the lowest of the low is going to stay as is and going to help these guys kind of shake themselves off. I really, I really don't know that there's an easy fix because if you look at our players, the only one that looks any semblance of what he used to be was the guy that came in midway through last year and drove us over the line in Diaz. So like, I don't think that's just a coincidence. I literally think we ran the wheels off our players and I don't know that that just, I don't know that a couple weeks even just rectifies that. I don't know what the answer is. I also don't know, and this is what I mean when we have serious issues on every level. Like, what are we doing with Trent and Harvey? Like, the heat map on Harvey looked almost identical to the one that we pulled a mo two weeks ago. Why are we playing these guys so far wide? And I, I know that we're trying to push Trent centrally and have them move up, but it's like – we can't just watch Manchester City do that with Cancelo and be like, oh, we should try that. Okay, you tried it. It didn't fucking work. <laughs> yeah, like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. And we're we're putting players that are are better centrally out wide and our most lethal goal scorer pushing them further away from goal. And it makes no sense to me. And it, like, like this would be one thing if this is an isolated issue. We're going on freaking seven weeks now. Like it's it's ridiculous, and like it just it it doesn't make any sense. We have no idea what we're doing with Mo. We have no idea what we're doing with Harvey. And I'm sorry, like I love Harvey, just should not be a regular starter at this point in his career. Like he just does not offer enough defensively coming back to help shade that spot where Trent is. Like and it just leaves us vulnerable. Like the midfield is so soft, and we didn't realize how soft the midfield was until Thiago came in. And looked like a, a bouncer in a club, like with like 15 minutes in the mat. It, it's just there's so many issues, man. But we got to sort out. We got to sort it out top first because I think that press is why we're getting hit, binged over the top because there's no pressure up there. We're not winning second balls in the midfield. So pe when people have time, they're just going to thread that ball over the top every time. But I mean, it's one of those things. Tactically, you can fix stuff, right? But broken bodies are harder to fix, and I don't know that there's an easy solution for that. Is, do you think, Gally, is broken bodies or is it just like we're trying to change stuff and it's not working, but we keep insisting on it? I feel like it, I feel like it's like 
50% broken bodies. And in a lot of ways, it looks like broken spirits. And I think part of that is, is that everything's come easy for these guys, not easy. Like they haven't worked for it, but easy. Like we work hard, we work hard together. We train, we do our thing and we get results. We win trophies. We come close. Like we we're, we're the top of the mountain. If we're not the top, we are at the top. And look, this is the real first real level of adversity outside of the center back injury plague and the pandemic that this side's gone through since it started winning big titles again. So, you know, this is a moment for them as a group to get together and figure out what's going on. The problem is they're trying to do that with their two biggest leaders being 34 and injured injured and 37 and probably a step too slow. And honestly, the next biggest leader is having ultimately the hardest moment of his entire professional adult career, you know, senior career and what Van Dyke's going through. He has not had a run of 10 matches as poor as the first eight to start this campaign in the last two of last year. And he wasn't great to finish last year either. He started to slow down, down the second half as well. You know, we were all talking about how great Kanate looked and how he looked like at times he was the more commanding of the center backs. And I'll tell you what, we could really use Matip and Kanate healthy right now because Virgil could use sitting down for a couple matches just to get his head right because this is the worst part. Now our guys are supposed to break and they all get jetted out to go play in meaningless friendlies to get ready for a freaking World Cup in the middle of the winter. And they're all going to play extra matches because, you know, our team is cursed with a bunch of international players on it. So it's, it you know, they don't get the break that we're all clamoring for. They're going to be training and playing most of this time. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, um, Jamie's saying, and I know they talked about this on the Thursday podcast about, like, these guys being too wide. And, you know, I I just don't get it. Uh, I don't get the how, – how is everybody wide? And I like I say, Harvey, I can see him being more effective, I think, when we're home playing against a team that's going to sit back. I can see maybe in that role then, but I think I agree with you, Bickler, in terms of like he should not be the first one penciled into that midfield. And I know it was a lot of like lack of options and stuff like that in some ways. But so let's get to that now. I mean, the best thing to cure this is probably, you know, newer, healthier bodies coming back from injury. You have Matip coming back, Thiago, Jota's back. Nunez obviously wasn't injured. It was just like, you know, uh, that had the ban for the league and stuff like that. So, Gally, let's start with you now. I mean, how much does that help? And how many of those guys do you think gets plugged into this 11 to bring some life? I mean, some of them are kind of guaranteed, but especially up top where we were talking earlier with Victor in terms of like that press not working. I, I, I think Tiago obviously walks right back in. If he's healthy enough to play 90 minutes, he starts tomorrow, especially with the fact that we're not going to play again uh, until October 1st. I'd start Arthur tomorrow. I mean, you didn't bring the guy in to not play him. Whether he starts, I don't know, but I would start him tomorrow with Tiago and Fab in the midfield. You know, it's up to you whether you start Bobby or Darwin at this point. I, I want to see us move to the 4-2-3-1, and I really hope that sometime soon we start to see Bobby and Darwin play together. I feel that, you know, just like Carvalho offers a lot from the bench, giving you an actual impact player that can change things up top or in the midfield. I think Harvey offers the same thing. 
And I think it's more of a reason that he doesn't need to be penciled in as a first-time starter. I think he actually offers you a difference from the bench. So for me, it's, you know, Arthur Fab, Tiago, and I'll say Bobby starts up top. I think you have to get back to the pressing. Bobby does it better than anyone. You can bring in Darwin. He can be an impact sub. Uh, but at some point, they have to figure out how to play Darwin and press from the front because we paid $90 million for the guy. What do you think, Bickler? I mean, let's talk about that Harvey thing first. I mean, Harvey and Carvalho, do we have two of the same guys in the like if you look at it long term? Essentially, I don't get like I don't get it. Like we did all the things in the window that you would do if you were changing the formation to a four-two-three-one. In fact, half of the lineup is better in that formation. And you do all these things, and then you basically tell us that if you were at gunpoint being robbed at a station. You still wouldn't move it to a four-two-three-one. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like I, I don't, I don't get any of it. And like maybe I'm not. I mean that's probably not surprising. I, I, some fat dude in a leather chair probably should know the answer. But like it just, I don't understand like what we're doing like at all. I think I think we'll line up in a four-three-three. I think Bobby's probably the right move in terms of starting. Um, I think the front line, you know, the best three are obviously Diaz and Mo with with whoever you want to plug up front. I think the midfield is going to be Fab, Diago, and, and Harvey. I really do. I think Carvalho will be the guy off the bench or Jota off the bench. Those are your impact subs. I think the back four is going to be Samikis, probably Van Dyke again, uh, Matip, and I, I guess Trent, but it's just – I don't know, man. It's It just feels insane at this point. I don't think – I mean, I get that Arthur did that thing where he came in and, and played for like the last 20 minutes, which, I mean, typically Cop does like to do that before he's going to give somebody a start. But, I mean, before this, Arthur hadn't really – he hadn't played in forever. Like he, ha- he literally hadn't played competitively in forever. I just don't know – like how comfortable I feel like with that being the answer, if like we're going to make a change in midfield. Um, so I don't know. My guess, like I said, I, I think it's going to be Harvey, Fab, Diago. I don't know. I, I hate this year. I fucking hate this year. Like I, I just want it. Do we just cancel the season start over? <laughs> it's got to be close though for a Jota start. I mean, and he's got it. He's, it's got to be almost in line. So this could be one of those matches where either he starts out left and we'll be even more upset or he'll start through the center even. And maybe then you have Bobby and, and Darwin coming off the bench. Well, you do have five do that weird thing where we home. put Diaz right again. Like, Oh, that'd be awesome. Give Mo a break yeah. with three and a half weeks off and, and Egypt not playing a meaningful match and the whole see, time. That's... That'd be awesome. That's the thing. I was talking about that this morning in terms of like, you know, we didn't know at the time the Chelsea postponement was not official, but, you know, I figured the presence of the Chelsea game would kind of affect the 11 today with no Chelsea game and basically nothing till October in terms of Liverpool. uh, You would think that kind of like lets him play whoever the heck he wants without thinking of, you know, conserving energy or saving minutes and stuff like that, and obviously in five. So let me ask you this then, Gally. So the fat guy on the leather chair doesn't get it. How about the skinny guy on a stool? I mean, we talked about it in the offseason. We said 4-2-3-1, and we said the moves are going that way. And, you know, we're like every season, you got to renew yourself. They're like, this is it. This is what they're doing. 
and then we don't do it instead we're like everybody on the right to the touchline <laughs> is the new thing we're trying instead why do you think there is especially with the midfield issues we had why do you think we just do not is it just club being stubborn I think he sees I think he sees a method for the future of the club built around Darwin and Carvalho through the center, in my opinion. And he sees that with a very, very, very wide set of wingers. I don't know that it's the right move, but I think he's convinced that he has to do it to start. And I think Mo's underlying numbers make you think it's working if he wasn't also the best scorer. I'm just why saying, why would you change the formation though? Like, like, because I, I, I agree, I agree, but like, put put the guy who's always classically been best as a ten in the fucking ten, and like, and then put your guy who's been classically a nine a striker as a number nine. Like, like, what what are we fucking doing? You don't know this, what's happening. This is the part where I think that I I genuinely <laughs> believe that this manager can't roll out any level of that big of a change that quick. And I think oh, he thought God. to himself, there was a perfect world and they were going to get, they were literally going to get to like the city match. They were going to get to the world cup. They were going to basically get to early November playing the way they do and acquiring and accumulating points. And then they would be on like change tactics after the world cup. And they would like, you know, it, it's like Mick in 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 Rocky Two, and he's like, just God, go imagine Jurgen. Imagine Jurgen trying to like, figure out a buffet. It would take ages. <laughs> no, he would just no. pick over everything. He'd be like, <laughs> well, to be fair, Bigfoot, you would take ages in the buffet too. But that would be <laughs> well. That's a different. Story. That's just filling a plate. I'm and a Midwest a kid. We love some buffets, man. <laughs> so let me. Do you think so? Let's it's time to play devil's advocate. I should get like an intro for this where I play the devil's advocate. So, Bigler, do you think if we had this whole concept of pushing more really wide, is if you look at the numbers in terms of chances created, it's working? Do you think it's because we have to kind of like rely on constantly Harvey and occasionally Harvey and Milner over there? If we had the healthy midfield with maybe Tiago in there and Hando in there. This system that we probably practiced with those guys in there would work just because now you have, you know, Hando and Thiago instead of Milner and Elliot. I mean, granted, Thiago lasted like eight minutes for his full on, but it didn't work from the beginning when we had Anderson. And I think the problem with it is, is you have a Jordan Henderson. He was a broken chair and has been since the beginning, like the second half of last year. Like he looked... You could see it happening last year, man. It's like you could just see, like, physically the age happening, like, before your eyes. Like, and I just think that he doesn't have the legs for that spot anymore to tuck down in, do all the running to get there to make. I mean, he has trouble hitting the huge switch. Like, I mean, everything, like, everything is just sort of grinding in a halt. And I, I mean, I know I've been harping on this, but I'm just going to go back to the transfer window. You had to look at this side, and I think it's extremely disingenuous for Klopp to be like, well, we had nine midfielders. It's like, no, you had a four, a starting four, that all had age and durability issues, and a clean drop after those four to either guys that you know aren't reliable because of injuries or kids. And like, so right. like – like you can't the same like you, type of kid. That's I guess. But yeah, yeah. Like the, like like tens, which we don't even play with. 
like like so the two two that you can rely on were tens who you won't utilize one is one is an enigma because he's not a six and eight or a ten and he thinks he's a nine and if you gave him the choice, he'd tell you he should be wearing number seven and running the whole club. So it's like he's got the confidence of, you know, of 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 the best player on the squad. And these are your kids. And then you have Ox and Kata. And then you had three other starters who all are trouble and an assistant coach. I know this reminds me of like, you know, if you're doing like a schedule, like if you have like a deep squad, uh, you, you've done this probably Bickler back in like the retail days, like you're doing a schedule. Yeah, you have 10 guys, but there are guys that are like, he's not going to show up on a Friday night. Like yeah, why correct. even put him on the schedule? Because he's just not going to freaking show up. Yeah, I need somebody to close. I, I'm fine though, because I've got eight openers. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I look at that though. I honestly ask myself all the time, like to Paul's point about the, the transfer window. There just had to be absolute disconnect at the top. They must have really thought they could get to Shemi. If they didn't think they were going to get to Shemi, they thought that actually that Dortmund might budge or they might figure out a way for Bellingham. And then when they realized neither were going to happen and they signed Darwin, like there's just no way. There's no way that they didn't want Sengar. They didn't want Nunez. They didn't even want Renato Sanchez. There were options because to end with Arthur Mello on the last day as a loan, where you don't even negotiate a guaranteed buy if you really want the player. You have to actually have performance appearances to qualify for the purchase. you know. And they paid a hefty fee, actually. That wasn't a cheap loan. That's actually a big loan that they paid. So, you know, it, it really was. I mean, it was a train wreck when it comes down to the midfield. Carvalho, Ramsey might turn out to be a nice player. Nunez might be a stud. Not getting a midfielder in this season, if we don't qualify for Champions League, will literally go down as the biggest mistake that the FSG era has made, probably since hiring Klopp. Alan says, would you drop transfer Isaac Mabaya uh, versus Ajax? And honestly, having no. seen that kid in the preseason, uh, no. I mean, that I, he I, makes... Uh, you know, he makes Trent look like he has positional discipline, to be honest, <laughs> having watched him, because he's, like, all over the place, and he got caught out. Any preseason game I watched... I'm okay pretty sure every single mistakes. one of our academy fullbacks is just a midfielder anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, hey, dude, you want to play right back here? I mean, look at Trent. He's a midfielder. He got into that as a right back, and now look at him. I like, mean, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> every one of our academy every one of our academy kids is actually a midfielder that plays at fullback, and every one of our supporters believes our right back should be playing in midfield. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, all, all things work, guys, right? All things work. <laughs> so, I mean, let's talk trends, because I think if you talk body language, it had to be the worst. Yeah. Like ever, and you know, in the past, you okay there? <laughs> Gally well, choking on some. No, beer no. There. The the idea, the idea that Trent's body language could actually be worse than that moment <laughs> where Mitrovic climbed up on him like he was literally like the dude in Shrek, like riding him in for a goal. That's about the worst body language that you can have as a grown man is cowering over you, and it still got worse somehow in Italy. It got, I mean, especially like off the ball, it was it was just horrific, and. You know, 
I know like we got Ramsey and because of his injuries, I mean, I don't see him anywhere near this team uh, until maybe after the World Cup is what is sounding like more and more. What, what do you do with Trent? And I know like so people ridiculous. always like, oh, Trent's defending and stuff. And that's part of the system. But you know what? The hell with the system, aside from when he is there to defend, I don't care like, oh, he's up top. He should be back. Okay, you don't understand the system. I, You know, I don't credit that criticism. But when he's back and simple give and goes, like being caught like ball watching, letting the guy run by, and then kind of like jogging around, I happen to see uh, the actually the United goal against uh, Sancho's goal. Mm. And, you know, the focus on that one was Van Dyke actually initially because why aren't you not coming at the ball? But if you go back and watch that ball, Trent can get there if he actually is running. But he almost does the jog. And then he was like, oh, shit, I could have gotten there. And then he does sprint, then, then it's too late. So this is kind of like an ongoing thing. Is it because his, you know, attacking contributions get so much more praise that he's kind of mm -hmm. focusing more on that? Because it's all about focus. When you let somebody go run away from you, Bickler, in a give and go, as he's been doing over and over and over again, it's just a lack of focus. I mean, it's not like something like, oh, he's not good defensively. I mean, that's basics of freaking like soccer. It's just a matter of focus to keep going with your guy and not caught. Yeah, I mean, I, not to sound like a broken record, and I'm not making excuses for him. I think he looks physically exhausted. Like he he looks like he doesn't like. I, I don't think it's that he doesn't want to finish a run. I think he gets halfway through a run and just is like, "Fuck, I need to conserve energy." Uh, is what it looks like to me. Now that being said, the ball were like. I didn't remember who it was from Napoli, but they just pushed it past him. Like they just pushed the ball past him and ran around the other side. He gets burned. And then Trent just basically sinks back and lets like Joe, who's already having a terrible game. He watches Joe just take a one-on-one -on -one without stepping yeah. in to close down that angle or anything. And just kind of sits there with the show. I would, if I'm Jordan Henderson, I would have whooped that kid's yeah. ass. I mean, because that's yeah. bullshit, man. You did the dude that's having the worst game. You got burned, and then you didn't even have the fucking decency to get back and at least help him out. Like that—that that was bullshit to me, man. And that's that's one of the few times that I've seen Trent do something where I thought all the fucking scathing criticism he got, he deserved. So what happens there then, Galley? I mean, it's not like he's going to get a whole lot of rest. And you would think, if anything, he's kind of like, you know, definitely talking himself out of like a World Cup spot with his form. I, I, think he'll, I think he'll make the side because I think that you don't leave that type of a talent home. There's going to be an opportunity to use him. Though you might argue the reason you bring him is like set pieces and free kicks. And if Trippier's on the pitch, you're not going to let Trent take it anyways. So maybe you don't need him. Um, he might lose a World Cup spot, and that'll be tough. That'll be like a real blow to his ego if he does not make this team. Because uh, this is probably the greatest collection of English players. And if it wasn't in Qatar, maybe their best chance at winning a World Cup because the rest of the world is down. Um that third goal, I think it was the third goal where we're all describing second or third goal where he just quits on the play and it's the shrug of the shoulders. I actually make the comment in discord. Everyone's going to kill the center back. Trent is absolutely like abysmal here. If there was a living, breathing backup, I'd yank him here. And if Klopp wanted to make a statement, he would have pulled Trent off 38 minutes in. 
down three to one because he was absolutely abysmal. It was it was embarrassing. It someone may, mentioned it. Maybe it was Allen. Maybe it was Jamie. They said he. It must have been Allen. It wouldn't have been Jamie. They said he looked disinterested, and that might be nice. Like it, it looked worse. Like it looked like he didn't care. And maybe that's fatigue. Maybe that's mental anguish. Maybe that's getting way too much too early and having too much pressure on him. You know, we all talk about like the local kid going to be captain someday. Like maybe it's starting to build on him now that there's a little bit of actual criticism coming his way. Cause he's been called under fire before, but not like this guys. He's basically been called out for a year as not being a top defender. Yeah. I, I think mean, we can gonna... go ahead. Go ahead. Vickler. I was going to say, I think we can all agree that like this probably starts with everybody getting rid of these fucking frosted tips. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel me. like that's got, that's definitely has to play a part in what's happening. Didn't work for sugar Ray. We, I'm not sure. We, it's yeah, going to work for this side. Yeah. It's we've been shit ever since even most doing it like ridiculous. Okay, well, I'm <laughs> good call on that. I mean, here's the thing. Boyle says probably his worst game ever. And, you know, it was probably Joe's worst game ever as well. But I'm definitely not – I don't have – I didn't have anger at Joe while watching it. But I definitely had it at trend. When I, like, was talking about it earlier, like, this is probably the angriest I've been watching the game is because you can make mistakes. They're all human. Shit's going to happen. You can miscontrol, bad pass, whatever the hell. But quitting on the game, not running, yeah. not looking like you give a damn, that's what really pisses me off. And, you know, we unfortunately saw a lot of it. And I don't know, like, I don't know what changes that. I don't know watching this game over changes that. Something in the locker room changes that. But does anything change when we play Ajax tomorrow? You would think maybe over the month, you know, I thought October 1st, we're talking like three weeks here. I know like Galley, Galley is right. There's a lot of these guys going international breaks, but I know maybe we will kind of like hang on to some of them and say, oh, he's still recovering and stuff too. But uh, does that, does anything change tomorrow against Ajax Pickler? That's going to, we're going to visibly say they freaking woke up. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think it will be as bad as Napoli, but I don't, I don't think it will look any, I don't think it's going to look anywhere near what we're used to seeing. I just don't think it's a quick fix. Damn you, Bickler. How about you, Gally? Throw some optimism in here because I'm afraid of the I'm afraid of that too, but I was thinking because I'm a pessimist, that's what I do. But um so if I were gonna if I were gonna put a little bit of uh sunshine on it, I don't think they can look as bad. And I think the Anfield crowd will get them up for the match. I think they'll be excited for it. I think the crowd will build on um, maybe having some rotation. I think having Matip back will be important. Hopefully that will maybe even give Van Dyke a little bit of confidence to have his preferred partner next to him. Um, I think the biggest key is, is these guys have aspirations and they want to go deep in the champions league. And if they happen to lose tomorrow, they're not getting out of this group. Mm, I don't know about that part. I think okay. that, I mean I don't know about you, that part. Obviously, it makes saw, it challenging. Saw but. a stat. Saw a stat today. Four teams in fifty years have lost their first two matches in a group stage and gotten out. We're playing in a group with decent teams that are going to take points from each other. Zero from six, and we're or zero out of six, and we're in trouble. 
I'm sorry, having to play at Ajax and play that Napoli team at home, that that doesn't bode well because I still don't think that we get a guaranteed three points at the Ibrox. I don't. So you think it's over too, Bickler? I, I feel like, I mean, obviously over, it I'm saying make it tough. easy, but I feel like I wouldn't say, oh, it's impossible now because you still need like 10 With points this or team. to get through this group. Yeah, I, I think the caveat is with this team. I mean, is it guess, possible? Yeah. You know, I mean, is it possible you look like a different side in a few months? Maybe, but I think it's going to be too late by then. I, I, I think if we lose tomorrow, yeah, I don't think we make it out of the group. Hmm, damn you guys, negative people. Well, here's some positive. But we're not going to well, lose tomorrow. We're not going to lose tomorrow. Oh, okay. We're just being real. If we do, it's, it's shocking. That was my here. that was my positive. My positive. Well, that was, was positive. Guys, yeah, thanks, man. These guys <laughs> won't be willing to lose tomorrow because if they do, they're fucking done. Well, boys, guess what? Uh, predicts a four zero. I almost think he copy paste the team name because I think this is the same prediction he gives us every week. He just copy paste <laughs> the team name Liverpool against and going that way. Uh, and he's even calling the Liverpool goals Salah hat trick and massive header. Uh, let's get some quick score predictions. What do you have, Galley? I have two to one nail biter. Not comfortable, but we get the wins. Ah, uh, B- yep. Bickler is already shaking his head and stuff. So I right, that was gonna be no, that was gonna be my. I, I mean, I'm gonna go two one too, and I think it's gonna be ugly, and I think I'm gonna hate every minute of it. Yep. God, man, you guys are not giving me a lot of confidence. I was gonna go with the three one, but uh, sad but true. I just don't like say every time you get a performance. I think we're used to seeing a bad performance or a poor one, and always rebounding back, going back to ourselves, and that was just like a blip, you know. I. Obviously, this season has been totally different. It's been nothing but blips <laughs> and like nothing that really, I mean, apart from Bournemouth kind of like opening the doors and saying, come on in. Uh, I just have not seen us any game this year where I was like, ah, this is the team that we're used to watching. In terms of energy level, do you expect a big difference just because of Anfield and Galley? You think that will kind of get these guys going a little bit? I do. I, I, I hope that, you know, European night at Anfield and them knowing what this team needs right now, that they haven't played, that they're not going to play for a couple more weeks. I think they come in tomorrow and give them the pep and the lift that they need. And I think the energy's up. I hope that we score early because if we score early, you know, we can often, you know, score often. So for me, that's the biggest key. We have to go at them. And let's be honest, if it wasn't for the Bournemouth match, how miserable really would we all be right now? Because we'd honestly be looking yeah, at this with, we'd with all be no under, right now. <laughs> we'd have no understanding of what was up or down or left or right. Like, cause honestly we would be really in a toil of like, this team doesn't even have it in them anymore to be great. It's the only time they look great. And they did it against literally a medium championship side managed by Scott Parker. Your favorite. Um... Like dealing with your, <laughs> Like beating up like you should actually put a photo team. of Scott Parker. I was just gonna say that. Great <laughs> minds. I want that. I want that in there. Uh okay. Bickler, uh let's come to you real quick too. Like energy level. Do you think this team comes out knowing, hey, let's freaking win this, and then we can we have time to fix shit and go back to where we were? Do you do they see it as that almost opportunity? Like, so you know what? Let's go out, kick some ass. And then we'll figure shit out. (laughs) 
Man, you're really trying to ring me for some positivity tonight, and I appreciate it, but I just don't see it, man. I don't see it. I don't think there's going to be – no, I think I think we're going to continue to see us be careless in possession, not win the second balls in the mids. I think it's going to be a continual issue, and I think there will be moments of quality that probably skate us through on this one uh, up top. That's what I think. But I still think it's going to be ugly, and I still think there's going to be just – I think it's just going to be – I'm anticipating it being an awful time. I'll leave it at that. All right. Something to look forward to tomorrow, kids. Yeah, yeah I just hope – I mean, I guess uh, miserable or not, let's get the three points. That's all that matters at this stage. And then kind of like, you know, kind of like fix some issues, get some more bodies back. I'm hoping as we get bodies back, at least we'll get rid of that broken body thing we were talking about earlier. And then on Thursday, the boys will be talking about a win, hopefully this time. Because they sure do not look very happy talking about the Napoli game. And I was like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not there. Uh, we better show poise, control, and shots on goals, says Joaquin. And, I, yeah, like I said, we j I just hope we see – poise is a good word. I just want to see that uh, identity that we keep freaking talking about in intensity. That's what I really – want to see more than anything else so we will find out if we see that or not i will be back tomorrow morning with the morning coffee so brew one and meet me here at eight central nine eastern every morning and the boys will be back thursday night to talk about this game gentlemen thanks a lot for your all freaking positivity tonight i sucked everything i could out of you guys tonight and it wasn't a whole lot but i don't blame you guys after the week we've had so thanks a lot as always to everybody uh don't forget to subscribe like share and all that good stuff and we'll see you guys next week take care